Well, folks, Jadevsha Arish, and it's Jerry Adams here once again on the cusp of Christmas, and I want to wish you all a very happy Christmas and a very, very prosperous New Year. Nolakona Devsha August Blainer, we Waisha Devsha Gulyar. And I know it's going to be a, a strange Christmas, and it's always poignant because we think of absent friends, but this year especially we think of those who fell victim of the pandemic. And I do think it's very, very important as the pandemic rages all around us that we do the best we can to stay safe ourselves, to keep our families and our friends safe, and just to follow the very basic rules that have been set out for us all. It's also approaching the time when the British government has to make its mind up on Brexit. And Brexit is the outworking of a, a little Englander mentality that harked back to the days of the Empire. And those who are proponents of this particular mentality believe that by cutting itself off from its ties with the European Union, a sovereign Britain can attain the power and prestige it once enjoyed as an empire on which the sun never sets. Now, I'm, I have to say, very critical of aspects of the European Union, but I don't harbour any, you know, great illusions that Ireland is going to go out and rule the world the way some of those who are little Englanders appear to believe, or at least that's the line they're being fed. And when they, they did rule, because they were the largest empire in human history, when they did rule, a key tactic of their strategy for much of the 18th and 19th century and part of the 20th century was gunboat diplomacy. So when the British Empire wished to extend its economic and political influence, and power or curb the desire of independence by others without the necessity of a full-scale military intervention. The gunboats would be sent into blockade ports and threaten governments. It was brazen intimidation and the threat of greater violence to achieve its objectives. And of course, the Brits weren't alone in using this tactic, all the European colonial powers used similar tactics. But because the British did have the largest empire in human history and had a navy to go along with it, the use of gunboat diplomacy allowed it to hold hundreds of millions of people across the world in thrall to its demands and exploitation. So as this year of 2020 fades, gunboat diplomacy has been resurrected once again. The British tabloids spelt it out. We sent in the gunboats. Four British military vessels are on standby to take to the seas around Britain to defend its fish. One newspaper headline spoke of the Royal Marines upsailing from helicopters onto French vessels to arrest French fisher men. Well, do you think that the European Union 
or indeed any of its member states feels moved to change their stance by this threat, very unlikely. What it does signify is that the narrow-minded little Englander mentality that narrowly won the Brexit referendum in 2016 continues to be a potent force within British politics and within the British political system. And a further reason for Scotland and Wales to increase their efforts to achieve independence and a potent reminder to we United Irelanders of the importance of achieving the unity referendum contained in the Good Friday Agreement and of winning that referendum. So whatever the outcome of the Brexit negotiations, we know one thing, there's no good Brexit for Ireland, but it does move the debate on. Let's see what happens. What's this space? And it's always been the case, and this is such an obvious thing to say, British policy is dictated by British interests. And the fact that British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has again betrayed unionists should come as no surprise to anyone with even the most rudimentary understanding of how British policy works. 200 years ago, the British Prime Minister Palmerston spelt it out. We, England, have no eternal allies and we have no perpetual enemies. Our interests are eternal and perpetual and it's those interests it is our duty to follow. So there you have it all in a few short sentences. And and we who have been on the receiving end of British policy know the duplicity that accompanies it and not for, for nothing has it been referred to as perfidious Albion. So the big surprise is that so many unionists are surprised at the turn of recent events. You know, you, you think that they'd forgotten about Theresa May, or Maggie Thatcher for that matter, and to the net recall, the many warnings given, including by this uh, dear podcaster, that the deal reached between the DUP and Theresa May in the summer of 2017 would end in tears. But no, the DUP thought they had it made. They believed that the confidence and supply arrangement would see them keep May in power and ensure that they had enhanced influence at the heart of Westminster. Less than a year later, it's all starting to fall apart. If you are against Brexit, if you can see the dangers and the crises that Brexit is going to engender for people here in the north and across the island of Ireland, the DUP are responsible. Remember in October 2018, Arlene Foster said it out, there cannot be a border down the Irish Sea, a differential between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK. The red line is a blood red. So whatever, as I said earlier, happens in this uh, withdrawal agreement negotiations, what Theresa May did on her day was to employ the gobbledygook language of the Sir Humphreys and she wrote to Arlene at that time and she said, talking about specific 
Specific alignment solutions in some scenarios. So Arlene, she interpreted this as preparedness. I don't know what it means, by the way. She interpreted this as a preparedness by the British government to embrace the idea of a border down the Irish Sea. And she wrote back to Theresa May and she said, this raises alarm bells for those who value the integrity of our precious union. And then when the announcement of the withdrawal agreement was made some days later, Sammy Wilson went into verbal overdrive. He described it as a punishment beating for the UK because they dared to vote to leave the EU. They even stopped voting with May. They even voted with Labour. The DUP then turned their back on May and embraced Boris Johnson as the saviour of the Union. And two months after Foster's blood-red comments, Boris Johnson was given a rousing welcome at the DUP party conference in Belfast. And he warned against the North being left behind as an economic semi-colony of the EU. And he attacked any suggestion of regulatory or customs checks between the North and Britain, describing them as damaging the fabric of the Union. And he called on his own government to junk the backstop. And in a rather bizarre reference to the Titanic, he warned against the EU being allowed to set the rules for the North. Johnson said, The Titanic springs to mind, and now is the time to point out the iceberg ahead. What he didn't say was that he was actually building the iceberg. Two years later, he's driven straight into that iceberg, and the DUP is facing increasing criticism as more and more people come to realise the failure of its strategy and the disastrous impact Brexit is going to have on the North's economy and on their lives. All of the commitments given by Johnson have been abandoned. Worst, from their perspective, there will be a border down the Irish Sea. Customs hosts will exist in northern ports and airports checking goods coming from Britain and the North will remain within the EU single market. One consequence of all of this is that the words betrayed and betrayal have again been dusted down by the political commentators. Alex Kane, the former UUP press officer and now media commentator, was scathing in his criticism of Johnson. He wrote that the sheer scale of this betrayal is unprecedented. The trouble is it's not. In March 72, the British government scrapped the Unionist regime at Stormont. In November 85, they signed the Anglo-Irish Agreement with Dublin. Hundreds of thousands marched in protests. Remember, never, never, never. In December 1983, John Major signed the Downing Street Declaration with Albert Reynolds. In September 97, the DUP walked away from the talks process because Sinn Féin joined it. And they stayed outside the process until 2007. But then, unionist political leaders since the Home Rule Bill of the 19th century, and especially the DUP in the last 50 years, have frequently relied on claims that unionists are being sold out or betrayed to mobilise support in opposition to any meaningful reforms. 
This tactic facilitated the creation of parliamentary groups like the UDA, the UBF, Ulster Resistance. And last week, the Belfast Newsletter wrote in an editorial, The Prime Minister will always do what is right for him personally, then for his party, and then for England. That same comment is true for every British Prime Minister. So folks, remember the old adage, fool me once, shame on you, fail me, fool me twice, shame on me. How should it go? What should we say about those who have been fooled so often and so shamelessly over so many times? Duped, DUP'd again? So if you're a unionist and you're fed up with British politicians and the unionist politicians playing you for a fool and betraying you again and again and using you in their own interests, consider a different future, a different approach. Consider being part of the conversation about a new future, a new Ireland, in which your rights will be protected, in which your interest will be promoted. Remember, for Boris Johnson and others like him, there is no precious union. There are just eternal and perpetual English interests. And finally, and belatedly, well done the Antrim hurlers. Well done the legions of hurling enthusiasts who have kept the faith in lean times in this county and passed on the skills and love for hurling to new generation. Well done, Darren Gleeson and the management team and the backroom team. Well done, all their predecessors. Well done, the county board. But especially well done to our warriors who battled tenaciously against the stubborn Kerry side who never gave up until the ref finally brought last Sunday's game to a close and with it an All-Ireland win for our glorious county. Antrim Abu. Thank you, Antrim Hurling Champions. Falsha Awalya Joe McDonough. Nolik Honey Davesha Arish Akarja Gunyeri and Ta Libsha.